Cool. All right. Uh, welcome to episode four of an axe throwing podcast. I'm your host, Bill Feinberg. Today, I'm interviewing Michael Barton out of Perilyn, Texas, aka Iron Man. So, uh, uh, so I guess we just go ahead and jump right into it, Michael. Uh, tell us a awesome. little bit about yourself. Where, where, where'd the Iron Man nickname come from? So, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan of Tony Stark, and um, I have a large collection of his sunglasses, watches, etc. And one day, I went to a tournament, and I was wearing his uh, Captain America Civil War sunglasses, which are my favorite. And everybody started calling me Antonio Stark, which is funny because I'm not Hispanic at all. So <laughs> I left it off and, um, you know, eventually it kind of sprung into the name Iron Man. And uh, I know people at home can't see, but I brought my favorite Tyler Desma sheath, which is uh, Iron Man and uh, with Tony Stark on the inlay. And it's, it's super cool. So I've kind of run with it. Um, then I joined an IETF league and I got there and they'd already made my nickname. So I was like, I'll I'll stick with it. That'll work. <laughs> I, I don't know if you know, uh, I think it's like Kevin Mefford out of uh, Urban Axis Austin, but I think he was assigned the nickname Dad Shorts. So uh, <laughs> I've, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen, seen the people, nickname. <laughs> I've seen people get assigned uh, assigned nicknames before. So cool. So so before we get into uh, axe throwing, I guess, like, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, you know, so like, where'd you grow up? Kind of like, what do you do outside of axe throwing? And then... <laughs> So I grew up in a real poor community in Houston and, um, you know, as a, as a, as a young person, I was a bit of a troublemaker. And, uh, one day I just, you know, I I had to stop all of it and I had to kind of pull my bootstraps up. So a long arduous path. And now, uh, I, I own a nationwide construction company along with the venue hurling hatchets in Pearland. And, um, you know, I guess, long way around the barn. Um, I'm one of those classic stories of just, you know, trying to, trying to do things right. You keep failing and eventually something just breaks and you're, you know, uh, outside of that, you know, that's not my entire identity. Of course. Um, I have, uh, I love Texas high school football. Um, it's my biggest passion, even probably even beyond maybe, maybe X throwing is getting close. You know, <laughs> I have to skip the Texas state semifinals every year for the world championship. So I guess, yeah, they're competing pretty well. Um, <laughs> outside of that, um, just a normal guy, love cars, love, uh, my wife. Uh, I love doing home improvement projects. Uh, that's, I guess I'm not as deep as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, no, no worries. So uh, one of the things you kind of touched on there, so like you said, you own a nationwide home construction company. And so you kind of like, so I, I came from like kind of like a lower middle class family. Like I started doing roofing, like picking up garbage on like roof sites with my dad. So I've, I remember going on roofs like when I was like six. And so I've done a fair share of construction and I also got in a fair share of trouble as like a little kid. Uh, and <laughs> I can't tell you how many times people would tell me like to work hard. Like I, I don't, like I heard work hard my whole life and I'm like all right like but nobody ever taught me how to work smart until I was like in my yep. 20s and I was like wait why didn't anybody teach me this first <laughs> I'm like I feel like I gotta go redo all the hard work with this like work smart outlook now yeah for sure and you know it, it it's been a long path so we actually do retail construction so our clients are more along the lines of like your best buys your Walgreens and things like that and um you know it's it's funny because the path to get here was so, so strange. I mean, out of high school, 
I was 16 when I started my first company and we did, um, we did flyer distribution. So it was guerrilla marketing and we basically would go around and talk to different businesses around tax time is where it actually started. Um, we went around and we, we thought about it. Like what do people spend their income tax on? And the first thought that came to my mind was like sound systems and cell phones. And, um, we went, we went and we talked to a couple people in, in those fields that we knew in the Pasadena area. And, uh, we just offered to them, Hey, what if we distributed flyers for your business? Um, you know, and just went to Walmart parking lots, apartment complexes, things like that in canvassed areas. And I hired all my friends, which was, which is funny because like people talk about how it's terrible to do business with your friends, literally every employee and not just like, I mean, of course, new employees become your friends, but all of my childhood friends are, are a part of the, uh, the, the structure with workhorse, which is my company. Um, and you know, when we built it, we started like the same people that are at workhorse. Now they're now dealing with, you know, with, uh, you know, regional managers for all the big corporations and stuff like that. These are the same guys that were walking down the street, talking to the local cell phone repair guy and, you know, furniture, uh, salesmen, like what do people spend their money on? So we offered this service out and, uh, we ended up making a decent little price package to where it was like, okay, we'll, we'll charge you 10 bucks an hour. And, um, we ended up with packets of flyers. So we had a cell phone guy, a furniture guy, a radio guy, um, you know, I'm trying to remember what else we had, but we had a multitude of clients and we'd walk around and, you know, pass out flyers. Eventually we bought our first company vehicle and then everything fell apart in like 2011. I, I remember we, so actually I'm skipping a little bit of the story there. I got a, um, I got the, the wide eye, I had that wide eye problem. Cause you know, I grew up really poor. Like, I mean, at, at certain points I picked up a job making two fifty an hour just to be able to buy food for my mom and sister because my dad left when we were young. He's back in my life now. So I don't want that on. The <laughs> I don't want that to seem like a, a shot at him. Um, and uh, actually a lot of people met him at Ironside. He's a, he's a great guy. He just went through a rough time in life, you know, but um, we, uh, we went through this time where I, we started making money, you know, and that was such a foreign concept to me. And I got wide eyes. I don't know how else to word it. Um, spending money on, cars. I mean, I, I was 19 and I bought an infinity G 35. I was like, Oh, it, like, you know, I think I was fulfilling some kind of a, a void that I felt, I guess. And, um, it ended up being my demise or at least I thought, and we, um, signed a lease on like a $2,200 townhouse, like a 2,200 a month. It was so foolish. It was me and a couple friends of mine. And, um, we were at that time, we'd started a carpet cleaning company. So it was, it was strange, the transition between the two. Um, but during that time I stopped focusing so much on business and focusing more on looking cool. And, you know, it was young and stupid. I was 21 years old. Uh, we lost a bunch of our contracts. So we had a large contract with a, with a chain of hotels, um, from, from Houston to orange, Texas. And we ended up losing that contract. We got outbid by a few dollars and I literally watched everything crumble. I mean, it was just insanity. And, um, two of the guys stuck with me and we ended up leaving the townhouse. So these, these people that lived there with me are my friends and at the time employees, I guess too, and actually still are. Um, we ended up moving into a condemned building in Pasadena, Texas in July. We were, we, um, it was, it was rough. There was no air conditioning. Our water got disconnected by the city. And then they told us that the building was condemned and we could not get water service. So I remember that time very vividly. It was, it was rough. It was hot. 
we ended up picking up gym memberships at the local fitness connection and we were showering there and you know you, you're trying to keep appearances up but at the same time you're like this is foolish this is ridiculous we don't even have money for food and one day a friend of mine kind of talked about he, he mentioned to me the new iphone you know I thought it was like the iphone 4s i think it was that came out he said I, he saw somebody on youtube preparing them and i was like let me look into that. So I start. I went home and I did some research because, um, of course, I had a cell phone. You know, <laughs> uh, did some research, watched a bunch of YouTube videos on how like you repair a cell phone, and um, came back to the other two friends that were living that ended up living with me at this condemned property. I mean, bless their hearts. I don't know why they did it, um, but I'm very thankful they did. And now I'm spending the rest of my life trying to repay them for those you know sacrifices that they made. And, uh, well, I came up to them and I told them, Hey, what, what about cell phone repair? Like, what do y'all think about that? And they're like, you can't fix those. You have to take them to the Apple store. And I'm like, no, you can definitely fix them. So we sat there and we watched YouTube videos and we, um, we started repair experts, which is my second, well, I guess third company. And, um, we went to the guy that we originally were doing cell phone, uh, flyers for and pitched it to him. And on a handshake, he gave us a loan and we opened a store in Pasadena and, uh, it was rough. Of course, uh, by the end of it, I had four stores and um, we just kind of went from there. I I don't really know where it went from there. And then um, a friend of mine, due to my high school football addiction, his son was the number one center in the state and he played at the school that I'm a big fan of, North Shore High School. And one day we were at a game and I heard him yelling and I'm like, dude, this guy's a freaking idiot. And he goes, what are you, some kind of Katie fan or something? And that's a bad word over here. So (laughs) uh, that's Samson Moore. So a lot of of people out there know him. He's an axe thrower as well. And uh, we partnered up and we started Workhorse, which is now, you know, the bread and butter. And um, through that, of course, hurling hatchets and uh, Brian husband, another axe thrower and Trevor Gibbs, you know, also another axe thrower, all partners in hurling hatchets. And, um, you know, it's just been a really, really crazy, crazy ride. So I guess if there was an origin story for me, I think that's about as close as I could probably get. <laughs> that's awesome. I, uh, I, can you teach me how to finish stuff? Cause like, I'm like, I have an idea for a thing. And then, but then I'll like go down like a, like I, I'm weird. I either like oscillate between being like a C student, like bare mon- bare minimum, like what's what do I need to do to like get you to leave me alone, or like I'm gonna be like an A plus extra credit perfectionist and like no, I, I just want to get it right the first time and then I never finish it. Like, uh, and so in, and in both cases, like I'm like I'm just, like I'm never happy with my work. Yeah, no, I understand that struggle too, and I I, I deal with it all the time. Like there's new business ideas that come up and I'm just like super, super passionate about it for a week or two. And then I'm like, Hey, you know, and I think some of that comes with like, and recently I'm kind of seeing a resurgence, you know, I went through this dip where it was just like, my employees were taking care of everything. And I just, you know, like I, I didn't really feel, um, how do you say it? Uh, I, it's not fulfilled. That's not the word, but I didn't feel like I was contributing, even though it, like part of, I didn't feel like I was being the best part of the organization that I could be, you know, and I think that happens to people. They naturally become kind of lazy with these things. And recently I've had a resurgence because, you know, like due, due to COVID and all that, I mean, having to battle through all that, it reinvigorated every single piece of me because I mean, it was, it was failure or success. And at the end of the day, like, failure wasn't an option. You know, we, we've got a mortgage, you know, I'm married now and you know, all these other, like there was no option for failure. So I think some of that kind of comes like, you watch Dragon Ball Z. Uh, I used to I, like. I got home in time to catch the last half of the episode. So I always just like had about half of the context. I've always loved like how 
Goku, when he was training Gohan, he talked about, because Gohan really wanted to become a Super Saiyan, and uh, he talked about how it came in response to a need, not a want. And I think that Nate, like human nature, we kind of naturally go that way, even when axe throwing, like, you know, um, you know, you talk about throwing like a 64. I remember one in particular, there was a, uh, at the Ironside Open last year, I was sitting there and I'm like, I hadn't thrown a tournament 64. I'd thrown a league 64 at that time, but, and, and several in practice, not a tournament 64. And I remember I was playing Ian Malpass and, uh, you know, he had me on the ropes and game one, he won game two, I scraped by, and then game three, I was at 56 on throw 10. And like that little scene flashed in my head. It was like, it comes in response to a need and boom, I hit the kill shot 64, close the game out, move on to the next round. So I, I don't know, like, it just feels like in human nature, these things respond to the need and not the want. Cause you could want it all day. We all want to throw a 64 every single game, you know, but do we know <laughs> unless you're Mike Philibum. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, so I I can kind of like relate like, so I, um, I was like the because I still haven't thrown my first Waddle sixty four yet because I, I got to right. Waddle like, uh, you know I I, I used I used to live in Austin and we didn't have Waddle there, uh, and I like uh, I think I moved after the Vale and Dolan carpool to <laughs> uh, to axed out started. Also, I think my wife would have killed me if I'm like, hey, uh, I'm gonna every Sunday to just goes to axe throwing now. Um, but, <laughs> Uh, I remember like I was playing this dude in Austin named Dimitri and he had never thrown a 64 and like he we all knew he was like he was like right there he just like he just hadn't thrown the 15 throws yet like and I was playing him in league and so we're, we're throwing and like alright we're going into the last match and I realized we're both like on track for an 81 uh, and then and so then we both hit our 81s but because like he's like it, it, he didn't even realize that he did it. I'm like, dude, you just threw an 80. You just threw your first 81, right? But but then the downside is like because it was, his first 81 was a tie, we had to go to overtime. Oh. <laughs> and, so, and so then he, he like he lost in big acts. And it's like, you congrats on your first 81. I'm sorry that your first 81 resulted in a loss. I don't think it's supposed to go down like that. I think my first IATF 81 was a loss as well. I think I lost to Zomer. I threw an 81. We tied. We went to big acts. And we went like three clutches. It was crazy. And yeah, I think my first day was also a loss. It's insane. Like, how does that even happen? <laughs> so, like, those, those are the types of stories like I love hearing. I wish I could have like video of all, like every one of those stories. Because yeah, um, I, I haven't thrown IATF uh, like in a league, and since I, I moved to Oklahoma in like 2020, so. Uh, but I gotta okay, go throw. Okay. I gotta go throw the IATC round one trials, and I haven't thrown a big X in over a year, so that's gonna go Ooh. well. <laughs> Ooh. But that's all right. It'll be fun. I get to go see some friends. <laughs> yeah, so, it will be fun. It always is. Cool. Um, so how did you get started axe throwing? Like, so obviously like you, like, you know, your owner hurling hatchets or how did you get to the point where like, I'm going to start an axe throwing place. So it's another one of those crazy stories. I don't know what, like my life is strange. <laughs> we were, um, we were on vacation. Me and my wife were in Austin and uh, actually, no, sorry, we weren't in Austin. We were in the hill country. We were at Garner state park and we were sitting up on Mount Baldy and she happened to get service. And, you know, she got on Twitter for a second and stuff like that. And her childhood, like, favorite celebrity is uh, Lights. Are you familiar with Lights? Uh, is, is a musician? She's or? a musician, yeah. And and she's she's from Canada. She's real big in America and all that. And uh, this is – you're talking about, like, for her, it was like meeting – like or it was like uh, – she's like Lady Gaga to, you know, like whatever. Um, and we were up there and we saw uh, – she saw a video of Lights throwing an axe at a wall. We're thinking – 
the heck is she doing? And Jasmine showed it to me. And I'm like, that's my wife, by the way. Um, she showed it to me. And I'm like, what, what is, what people do that? And uh, we talked about it on the drive home. And I said, man, I bet you anything. If there's a place in Texas that has a venue, it's going to be Austin. And she goes, yeah, you're probably right. So we looked it up. We saw Urban uh, Urban Access Austin, and we just drove to Austin for the next leg of our vacation. And uh, that next day, I went in there, and I walked in, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I love this. Like, this is super fun. Um, I wasn't very good. In fact, I was terrible. Uh, probably still am. But I <laughs> walked in there, and I was like, man, you know, we have a warehouse at Workhorse that we're not using that's air-conditioned. And this looks like the type of thing that would really, really hit in Pearland. So we, um, I got back and I pitched to my partners, Brian and Sam, and they were both like, well, Brian was like, Brian had gone before he'd gone in a, on like a bachelor party. Uh, but Sam was like, Axe what in the world is that? And I'm like, I mean, it's, it, I'm telling you it's fun. So we went and we tried it uh, together and everybody was like, yeah. So we were pretty much sold from there. And, um, we took a 6,000 square foot air, con- uh, air conditioned warehouse and turned it into hurling hatchets using our construction company to build it. So it was like a perfect little arrangement. Now it gets even crazier. So a couple of months after we opened, so our opening night, we ended up, it was just, I mean, blessing, like timing was fantastic. Uh, it was the Oktoberfest of King's Beer Garden, which was in our parking lot. So yeah, it was crazy. So there were a thousand people in the door day one. That sounds, and, sounds like a home run. Yeah. And you, you talk about trial by fire, man. I mean, we hired staff. We had uh, staff from Workhorse that helped out and stuff like that. And um, yeah, that weekend was bonkers. So from there, a couple weeks later, Jasmine found that Lights was going to be in town on Twitter. And he, she just shot her a message. Like, this is a rant. Like, it's not like they knew each other. She just shot her a message and lights goes, Oh, that sounds so awesome. I've gone and done that before. And Jasmine said, yeah, you're the reason we opened it. So lights came out, invited us backstage to her. She had a concert with dead mouse and brought us backstage. I was on stage with the freaking cube dead mouse's cube. It was insane. We were back there hanging out with her, having a great time. We all exchanged numbers. And then the next day she came to hurling hatchets and hung out with us all day. And to this day, Jasmine and her are like best friends. They text every day. It's insane. Like, wh- how does this, like, this is, un- yeah, it's crazy. That's an amazing story. I feel like, like right? if, you, if you wrote that as fiction, that'd be, that yeah. would read like an, an amazing story. Yeah, I like always feel like people think I'm lying. And I'm like, no, like, she's legit coming down. She, in fact, she'll be here on uh, April 13th. We're all going to hang out. I'm going to follow her from Dal- from Dallas to Austin to Houston on her tour. And then we're all going to hang out because she's she also throws knives. And it was weird because apparently uh, WKTL had sent her some knives and she like fell in love with them. She was posting videos and like I texted her. I was like, hey, like you're throwing knives, you're throwing WKTL knives. And she goes, yeah. And she goes, "Uh, you throw for WATL, right? And I'm like, yes, same thing. And, you know, we ended up talking about that for a while. And uh, so when she comes down, we're definitely going to like we have a little surprise for her. So I'm sure, you know, uh, Texas made Toolco. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he his shop is actually in my office. So we're working on this like collab because she just released a new album. Hopefully she doesn't listen to this, <laughs> but we're working on this collab for her. So we have this cool little thing for her when she gets in, but yeah, it's, it's quite, quite the grandiose story. It sounds, it sounds fake. And I know, but it's, it's not, it's crazy. 
Like, do you ever have those moments where, like, if you could, like, go back in time and tell, like, you know, your five years ago self or your 10 years oh. or your child self, like, and just tell some of the story, like, and sometimes even, like, even if I just say, like, if I went back to and told high school Bill, like, hey, like, you're going to live in Oklahoma when you're 34. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't, uh, like, even if you showed me the work to how it happened, it'd be like, mm, nah, I don't believe that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I don't know, man. It's it, My life's always been so freaking weird like i i just don't even know how to explain it it's like just to give you another example like when covid hit um we were all freaked out like we, we knew because i remember it was by city shootout actually um and the same the day of one of my best friend's weddings and uh we got a call that we'd lost one of our contracts it was a large one so we were all kind of like oh man this really sucks but we still had some work and then by city shootout comes the next day and we literally lost all of our contracts like one by one by one by one, every single one. Not, I shouldn't say lost. I should say postponed, which was probably worse than lost. Um, and we were freaked out. So that more the next morning, which was a Monday, I called sixty five employees and laid them off, and it was the worst day of my life. And by that evening, I went downstairs, and George from Texas Made Toolco, along with uh, one of our super. Well, he's now a director of like pretty much everything at workhorse, but uh, they had developed this sneeze guard thing for the, um, for the pharmacies at the Walmarts. And they went without permission and installed one of the Walmart. And I get a call from like a regional guy going, what did you just put in our store? You got to take those down right now. Uh, unbeknownst to me, cause I have no idea what's going on. I go downstairs and George and Joe are just like, yeah, we did that. We thought it was worth the chance and this and that, this and that. And I'm like, well, you just got me ripped to shreds. You got to go take that down. Before they got to the store to take it down, I get a call back and they're like, hey, we want you to install these at all 4,000 of our stores. We were like, what? So I literally had to call everybody back and say, hey, remember what I called you about earlier? I, just kidding. We, you know, April Fool's, whatever. Like, I need you guys back here tomorrow morning. And it saved the day. It was insane. And then um, when the when the mandate came down to close hurling hatchets, which we knew was going to happen, it came down to close hurling hatchets. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, there's like at that time, I think it was like eight coaches. We were like, man, I, a lot of them were single mothers and like all that. And it just it, I couldn't live with myself just to let them out on the street. And of course, our revenue is gone. So we thank God Brian ended up finding a contract with um, with Walgreens. And we ended up doing a disinfecting like a covid disinfecting thing. We were able to hire on all the coaches and keep them throughout. And another one of those stories, it's just like, how does that happen? I have no explanation for you. I, it's, it's, it's literally just been insanity after insanity in my life. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> I can't imagine like, I've never been a boss. I don't want to be a boss. I probably should no, be don't. a boss. Um, uh, I'm very happy as an individual contributor. Um, but yeah, like, like I can't imagine having to lay off one person, let alone sixty-five, and then like just like 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 I get anxious like going into like a one-on-one -on -one with a manager. I literally got a message today like managers like, hey, you got a minute to talk? I'm like, oh, because I like I also have like imposter syndrome, and so just like oh, mm. like, oh, eventually I'm like oh, this is where and it's like there's no I like like we just had our performance reviews, <laughs> nothing bad, but I'm like well, oh, oh, they figured it out, I'm gone. Like, um, and and so like so to. Like the like just thinking about like going into like a one on one with a manager, right? Like the, I like that's like 
that like moves my like anxiety needle. So like to think about like having to like make a phone call, email, whatever, like however you have to let 65 people know. And then to like, it sounds like it was like hours or days later to like uh, false alarm. <laughs> like Yeah, it was like six hours later. It was terrible. And it was an individual phone call to each one because I couldn't do that over email. I was like, there's no way. And oh my God, it was, it was, it was terrible. And you know, they all took it so well. That was crazy. And I think that that may be why we have such good retention as a company because they they saw that we immediately you know tried to rectify. Now were we able to save everybody? Absolutely not. You know that that contract was a like a one shot huge thing, and then you know we tried to blend in other companies and stuff, and, and it worked for the most part. I mean we're still here, so you know that was that was um, that was a very very trying time, and you know the I don't know it's just been like everything everything's been so crazy forever. It's <laughs> I guess I just got used to the chaos. <laughs> Well, uh, I'm glad that, you know, like y'all have survived the pandemic. Uh, you know, we're thank here you, talking you. today, so that's cool. Um, so I guess that uh, let's I guess let's kind of move into more about like the actual like act of axe throwing. So obviously, like, For sure. I, I assume you primarily throw out hurling hatchets. It'd be, it'd be weird if you're like, no, I don't I don't I don't use my own supply <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, but so I guess, yeah, just kind of like tell me like a. I guess as like a venue owner, right? Like, you know, which disciplines do you do? How many leagues do you throw a week? Like, you know, uh, like what, like, do you have different axes for different disciplines? Like, Oh yeah. So I'm a little bit of an ax freak, I guess. I, I'm, I try to be as scientific as I can. So I I'm well known for experimenting and trying to push the boundaries of what an ax can do. As far as leagues, I throw in uh, typically three leagues a week, uh, one ITF and two, two standard. Most, most of the time I do a big ax and a dual. So I guess it's like five or I don't know that, that sounds insane, but um, two hatchet leagues at least. And of course, ITF uh, this last season, I kind of took it a little slower and then probably this season too. Cause uh, somehow or another, I got my bid for hatchet. So I, I can kind of relax a little bit. Um, so with axes, like my, I throw a different axe for every, every discipline for sure. But I also throw different axes for different conditions and different situations. Um, right now, what I'm experimenting a lot with, um, so to give you an example, I have a plum super scout in my hand right now that we just finished up today. This one weighs in at 1.13 ounces, the head it's sorry, 1.13 pounds. It is insanely light. And we put it on a 17 and a half, 17 and a half inch handle. And this is like the most effortless ax that I've ever thrown. So I'm experimenting with this right now, but really what I've been experimenting with lately, I didn't bring them with me, but I'm taking a bunch of waddle axes. So Mario actually gave me the prototype, uh, sent me a prototype of the uh, Jack of clubs when it came before it came out and I, I took it home and I experimented with it and I played, uh, you know, I, I went outside and threw a bunch of games and like tried to take notes on what was, what I felt like it was lacking. And for me, the biggest lack that it had was lack of back weight on the back of the head. So we took a, I don't remember if it was a national, I don't think it was a national, it was like a boy scout plum and sliced the pole off of it, welded it to the Jack of clubs cut some of the corners off and kind of rounded it to take some of the weight off the front to you wanted to kind of move the weight from the blade of the ax to the back of the ax to help a rotation. And really it helps it with digging and it makes it a lot more pleasurable to throw. So we did that. And then we, we added a ah, man, I'm going to screw the measurement up. It was a super thin handle. We built that and uh, first 10 throws was a 64. So it's like, okay, yeah, this is definitely like, this is getting closer to what the ideal ax is. So uh, for the league last season, I ended up throwing a butcher because I love the butcher's flat blade. And the reason I like it, you can flat spot. It's definitely possible, but I've kind of reduced that that 
variable from even existing by adding yet again, a plumb pole to the back. So it's so heavy on the back that when it throws, it rotates in and it gives you that perfect butcher coverage where you get a little bit more than four inches because it's kind of towed in. But a lot of butchers, when you throw them out the box, they hover on, especially on new boards, they hover because they're not heavy enough to really penetrate the board. So with that plumb pole, that's no longer a factor. It pushes through. So with that axe, we were averaging 4.26 inches something like that, um, per throw, as long as you rotated it properly because of that weight in the back. And plus it just became a really, really easy ax to throw. So I'm a little bit crazy like that. So I also have backups to those. So typically when I go to a tournament, I carry about six axes and uh, for hatchet. Um, this last tournament I went to, I had a, a situation that had arise that I've never, ever dealt with before where my hand got like frozen. I mean, there was an air conditioner vent and it was just like sitting on my hand and my fingers got like, it was so bad that I couldn't move them. Um, and I don't know if I have blood circulation problems, but if I, if I do, I just found out about them. Um, but my hand was frozen. And I ended up, I couldn't stop throwing low threes and I hadn't thrown a three in years. So I'm right now I'm experimenting with a solution to that, which, um, the only thing I could think of was to literally sit in my car with my hand on the steering wheel in front of the AC for as long as I possibly can. And then jolt out the backyard and throw on my target. And like, I'm, I'm what I'm working with, what I'm kind of figuring out is in that situation, you actually want to have your ax because the heavier ax will rip itself out of your hand, regardless of your, because what was going on was my hand wanted to hold onto the ax. It just wanted to keep the ax in my hand. I threw a 61 with a three. Who does that? Like, what on earth? <laughs> I think the weirdest score I ever had was I had a, a 71 in IETF with two drops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty Also, I'm, I'm trying to imagine you just sitting, like, if somebody else seeing you sitting in your car, just, like, with your hand on the AC and then just sprinting to a target. And they're like, what's he doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I look like a lunatic. Uh, but you know, those are the things that I feel like give you a little bit of an advantage. So with that, I have different weights, different, like different finishes on my handles. Uh, as Nick Guthrie could tell you, I'm extremely specific, like probably too picky. And sometimes I, I out, like, I, I guess I outsmart myself. So I ended up with this one ax that I was dead set. This is definitely the one, like if, if I, my most balanced ax of my collection, right? Your masterpiece. <laughs> It was like my masterpiece and I loved it and I polished it myself and all this crazy stuff. And then I went out to throw it and I was like, why didn't I do my normal testing routine? And I just, I couldn't, I, I mean, I was throwing well with it, but it wasn't what I'm used to or what I wanted. And uh, I figured out later, I was like, oh, oh, I made the X, I made the handle too thin front to back and you can't add back to that. So I was done and uh, experimenting with different router techniques. So like right now on this one here, I can't remember the exact uh, terminology, but he has like a, a three quarter route a bit or something like that up here. And then there was a different width. So if you see it, it's not actually a circle or an oval. Like it looks like this is, this is far more round up here than it is. Or sorry. This is far more round down here than it is up here. And the theory behind that with my grip is to hold it here. And then it kind of completes the circle. Right. Oh, okay. so, so your grip kind of like just, it's just like, it's like a natural contour. I, I Yeah. I'm very, very, I'm, I'm stern on, I feel like your grip should dictate your handle, not the other way around. So it's, you know, I've, I've seen people that throw pinch grips and stuff like that. And, and you could tell, like, you would be better if you threw a thinner handle. And, you know, like there's little things like that that we've kind of discovered over time. So, you know, with George and Texas made being in literally in my office, like I could literally walk 
50, 60 feet and I'm in a handle make a uh, handle shop. Like it's crazy. Um, but with him being there, we're able to experiment quite a bit. So he's, he's done some crazy stuff. I mean, he's got some really, really beautiful, um, like veneer work that he's doing right now that he's getting ready to debut. But his, like the main thing I like about George is he'll take his time with you and, you know, being and and Nick as well. Nick Guthrie is he's fantastic. I mean, I, I couldn't ask for two better handle makers to to be making my stuff. And you know, like with being as picky as I am, for them to to deal with that. And then like I talk about finish a lot. Like finish is huge to me because my grip's a hammer grip at the end of the day. Like it's not like a hammer grip, but it's kind of a loose like hammer grip, right? So I have a lot of skin contact. So I'm very sensitive to like humidity and, and I live in so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sensitive to cold weather as, as I'm kind of figuring out, like that's really been my trigger is cold weather. And, um, the finish is everything. You know, if I, if I have the wrong kind of lacquer on here, if I have the wrong kind of, um, texture to my, to, you know, like it will throw your throw off. Now you're not talking about a, a drastic loss of 10, 15 points. You're talking about a, a loss of one to two, but I happen to know that loses your tournaments, you know, oh, or, or if that's the difference between like hitting that kill by you exactly. know, a millimeter versus missing it by a millimeter. That's eight. That's points. exactly right. That's exactly right. I mean, you're losing eight points right there. And I've had so many situations like that. I mean, I can, I can dial them back to you and just, I, we did the math on like how much money missed kill shots cost me last year. I don't want to repeat it because it's embarrassing, <laughs> but um, you know, like we, it's, you start thinking about those about things. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, you know, multiple matches. Like I, I remember vividly a match with uh, Mike Philobom. We were actually in the finals bracket at throw Ohio and I had three point leads on them both games. And, you know, I missed two of the four kill shots. And like, I hadn't really been missing up to that point during the day. And it was something simple. It was literally, you know, one of them was just a bad throw. The other one, it was simply because my blade was too round right here. And it act, or actually my beard was too sharp going this way. And I overpenetrated and like the kill shot was like hovering. <laughs> and that kill shot, stopped, it, it literally like the next match, I think his next match was the finals or something. I ended up fourth. So it was like, man, that one symbol, single throw. So, you know, What's great about losing, what's great about failure is you go home, you know, assuming you do it the right way, you go home and you learn, you know, you could just be pissed at yourself. And I had a long drive because I drive to all the tournaments I go to. And that was in Medina, Ohio. And uh, we drove 20 something freaking hours back. And all I could think about was that missed kill. I'm from Cleveland, so, so like I, so uh, like I, I've been to like Medina Square a whole bunch of times. So it, it's weird, like having lived in Ohio and Texas. I'm like, I know both of these places firsthand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that. That drive was unkind. And, you know, I sat and I thought about it and, um, you know, you don't, you don't dwell on the failure, I guess. It was more of a, how do I fix this? How do I stop that from happening ever again? And I realized, well, I want my beard of my ax to be more square and longer. So have you seen the ax that uh, Jessica Renner produced, the bear claw? I think I, I scrolled past it. I haven't got a chance to like, I, I try not to spend too much time on social media, but I remember seeing it, but I didn't like, like, I didn't do a deep dive on it. And also, like, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to get her on the podcast sometime soon. So, like, uh, also, shout out to Dolan because Dolan connected me with you. Dolan connected me with Jessica. Yeah, shout out. What's so, up, Dolan? <laughs> um, so, uh, but don't, I asked Dolan for recommendations, and he literally did, like, 10 different warm intros. I had to, like, copy-paste the same thing to a bunch of people. <laughs> I mean, he's a he's an ambassador to the community. He's a pillar. Uh, great guy. Love hanging out with him. Um, you know, that's that. Well, on just as far as Jessica Ritter's axe goes, that is probably the closest shape to perfection that I could think of. 
So she's found a way to take basically the shape of a flying fox and the blade shape of a plum super scout, tie it all together at a true four inch, and then add a one inch beard to the back. Now, the the beauty of it is, is because it's based off the flying fox, it has about a one inch wide pole, which gives you just enough weight behind that eye. Also, it's a machine dax, so the cheeks are like caliper tested, exactly perfect. And then you have that pole. It's like the eye is perfectly rounded. And George told me it was a pleasure to hang. One of his favorite axes to ever hang. Um, I threw it for a day, and right now I'm trying to experiment with a couple different things because I'm I'm trying to figure out like what what caused. I had a failure at the um, at the uh, Capital City Classic where, like, I think I threw a a one five or maybe maybe two fives in a match and lost the match because I missed kills on 10 both times. And it, it normally doesn't happen to me. So like, yeah, there was a couple of things in my head that day and things like that. So, but there's gotta be something physical too. It cannot be a hundred percent mental that I missed two kill shots when that's kind of what I pride myself on is being clutch, you know, coming through in that moment and I missed them. So I was like, okay, there's got to be something physical there too. So I'm experimenting right now. I'm playing with lighter axes. I'm playing with right now. My, my, my actual favorite experiment is, um, I got a queen of hearts, the new queen of hearts. And we just cut the pole off of an ace of spades, a, uh, gen two ace of spades. Cause it's real thick and heavy and I'm attaching it to the back. I'm going to bring some weight off the top of the axe and kind of slant it downward to kind of shape it like a flying fox, sort of. And I'm going to try to bring the profile back to like the Gen 1 Ace of Spades, where it's super duper thin. And um, we're going to put that on a mostly bamboo handle. It's not going to be fully bamboo. It's going to be a blend of bamboo and maple. But um, that's that's currently what I'm working on axe-wise. So, yeah, as far as axes goes, I'm I'm nuts. Like a I, I suck at big acts though, and everybody on the planet can attest for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you um, you you mentioned like how like your hand was cold in the AC, so like uh, it reminded me like so I when I threw ITF, uh, I had like a really thin like thirteen inch thing was like an eighty one axe. Um, oh, those I, are great. I don't, I don't even know like much of it. It was just like my first custom. My actually, I think it's my only custom axe. No, that's true. I got a Kurt Axe Customs. I forgot about. Um, that was a big axe, but. Uh, I like my car got totaled one summer and I was like real mad at the insurance company and I was just being like a dumbass and I'm like <laughs> I'm gonna ride my bike and even though I live in Austin and it's June I'm gonna ride my bike everywhere I need Oof. to go but and I also worked remote this is before the pandemic and so at one point I'm riding my bicycle to a coffee shop but I live like 10 miles outside of the city of the city and Austin's kind of hilly and so I'm yep. like I have like my work backpack with my laptop in it and then I have like my my axe bag and I'm going to a shop coffee shop and I'm like going to, and I drop I put my bags down you hear like the wood clink um, oh. but I did. I biked. I biked like sixty miles in one day, the day before league, and then I went to go throw at league. But like, rather, let me back up. When I got home from the bike ride, like the last like hour of the bike ride, because it was it was sixty miles across a whole day, um, my hand was starting to go numb. Like my throwing, yeah. like, and I got home and I went to turn the doorknob to open the front door and I couldn't open the doorknob. Yep. And and so then I like I went to go throw in league and I'm like I tried like in practice I just tried to do a couple like pinch throw and I'm like I I literally I couldn't even hold like I couldn't stabilize yep. the axe it just like fell onto my hand. Um, yep. And so I'm like I guess I got to do a hammer throw today uh, and I, I threw better than I expected that day but it was like it was one of those I never considered like oh uh, hand injuries are <laughs> kind of detrimental. Yeah. Absolutely. And that was one of those days, like we've discussed it a couple times since, because I actually threw a 31 in hatchet 
And then my final game of the day, I, I, it was crazy. I think I threw a 63 in one game and then a 31 in the next. It was like, what on earth? And then um, my final game of the day, like my hand literally, it felt like the best way I could describe it is I felt like a machine that was malfunctioning and shutting down. Because I remember I started the game off six, six, four, whoa, three, what the heck? And then just kept going threes. My final three throws did not make it 12 feet. They just fell on the ground. It was like, and I wasn't trying to. I mean, I ended up. It was. It was. It was comical. You know, everybody got pictures of the threes. Oh, Barton threw a three. No, <laughs> okay. Uh, but you know, it was like it was shocking to me, and I, I loved it. So, like, yeah, of course, upset about throwing the nineteen. Whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever. But you know, I loved it because it really gave me something else to to come back to and you don't burn out because of that. Right. Like you start thinking like there's something more here and we're all on the quest for perfection and perfection probably doesn't exist, you know, but it's like that in itself gave me something else to kind of like another thing to, to deal with. Cause I, I had another weird situation at worlds where um, there was a line, like the lines were just slightly different and I had a drop and I sat there and I thought about like, what on earth, like a drop, at Worlds, a game away from the finals, like how on earth does that happen? And uh, it gives you time to think about that. And I started kind of adapting, changing my handle style, changing a little bit of my grip. I didn't really change too much because I, I, you know, I feel really solid with the way I throw. And I, know, I don't know if you've ever seen me throw and you might have, um, but I throw directly in front of my face, like literally right here. Yeah, I saw you throw at, uh, I think, the, the Fort Worth regionals last year. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You sent me some pictures of that. Um, yeah. So like the throw in front of your face, people always ask me if I'm going to cut my chin or if I've ever done anything like that. No, no, I haven't. If I did, I wouldn't throw that way. You know what I mean? Uh, the worst thing that did happen to me once is I was wearing a fluffy mask, like one of those like padded ones and it caught my mask, yanked it up and it popped me in the face. That's the worst thing that's ever happened with my throw. <laughs> so I, um, uh, the worst thing that uh, ever happened to me, and uh, sorry for anybody listening, you're not gonna be able to see this, but uh, so at Twisted Axes, that's where I throw out an now with Ben Jangetti. Okay. Oh, um, okay, cool. So, it, and uh, actually, it was when Brock was film. It was for like the qualifiers for WATC. Brock was filming his, and you can't stop the recording. And right. I was throwing on a lane, or I was like warming up on the lane over, and I, I go to like I fin, I finish my warm ups. I'm like, all right, I'm ready. Let's start this. And uh, then all of a sudden, I was like, like. If you were like watching or listening, you hear me say, oh shit. And then you hear Jen say, or it's, it, I could be wrong. My memory's kind of hazy, but she's like, Bill, what did you do? Did you cut yourself? And I was like, yeah, I sure did. And then I don't know if you can see that, but uh, uh, it wasn't a throwing accident. Ouch. It was an axe holding accident. Like I, I just bobbled the axe and like I was raised by, uh, you know, most people like, you know, they're like, oh, my dad taught me if you drop something sharp, you back away from it. I'm like, my dad told me, throw the hammer to me. Don't carry it up the ladder. It takes too long. So, um, and so, and I like again. I was basically raised by a guy that like doesn't go to the hospital unless you like drag him to the hospital. And so, like my initial reaction, because normally I'm like, ah, it's fine. I could, I like, I'll be all right. But this one's like, that's a hospital one. Uh, yeah, so, that like, one's pretty bad. Yeah, it would end up being seven stitches. Um, uh, I, was, I was more upset about the ER bill. Oh <laughs> I just yeah, went on, yeah. Just went on a ro- RV road trip, and the RV, the the emergency bill for seven stitches was the more was more than twenty five hundred miles at eight miles a gallon. That also, is that was, uh, insane. Yeah, it was crazy. It was like twelve hundred dollars for an ER bill. Um, oh. that, but it was the, it was my non throwing hand, so I'm like, well, I went hey, back two go. days later and just threw garbage. Um, <laughs> so. 
cool. Now, um, you, you you mentioned something about you're like you know like you're known for being clutch, right? Like you're 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 known for not like missing those throws on uh, on ten. Um, like, is that something like you've kind of always been like a clutch kind of athlete, or is that something that like like have you like how like what have you done to like kind of develop that, or like to kind of like improve like, or is that or do you think that's something that like you can't really be taught, and that's just kind of something that you have like. I don't think it's not something that could be taught because I know for like, to give you an example, Jordan wall forever. I mean, he's thrown it at hurling hatches. He's a great thrower. And like, I couldn't, I couldn't count the amount of times I've watched him just miss that clutch shot. And just, you know, like, like what you were, you threw a perfect game minus 10, like dang. And uh, in bat in like clutch situations. And then we, we, we just went to the, to the drawing board and we tried to figure out what was breaking him. And I think, what was doing it for him was counting the score, keeping his mind. I'm not sure, but that's kind of what we come to. And all of a sudden he stopped doing that. And he got to two finals brackets back to back and show me standing at Angrywood. So I don't know. Like, I think it could be taught. I, I think it could be learned. I don't, I don't think it could be taught. I think it could be learned. I guess it's a better way to put it. Um, as far as how I developed it, I'm not a million percent sure. I know like my dad was, was a great athlete. And um, when I was younger, I did Muay Thai. Uh, it was like one of my only outlets for, you know, all the frustrations of life and all that. So I did that for a long time. So, you know, you, you really think you, you really get drilled into your head that you just you have to finish strong. Right. Um, and I, did, I don't I know. I did MMA in college. So, like, I, I, did I remember. Do, yep. So I, I know what yep. you're talking about. Same exact thing, man. I mean, arduous training. You're you're sitting there kicking trees with your bare shins like that kind of crap. And, you know. Like felt like torture. And you think back on it, you're like, why did I ever do that? <laughs> but, but you know, like it's, I, I was drilled into my head just to finish strong, finish strong, finish strong. So I guess it just translated over to axe throwing. And, um, you know, like it's just been, it, it I don't know. I don't know. I, that's a, that's an interesting question. And I'd have to give it more thought, but yeah, it's just, um, I guess it comes na- natural. I, I, I don't know. Because that's kind of contradictory when I'm saying I learned it from Muay Thai. So I, I don't know. I, I, it, it, even if like you know, even right, like it, even if like you could explain it, right? Because it's not like a you know, like if it was a conscious thing, like that everybody could just choose. Everybody would just pick right, it, right, like, right, like, exactly. I'll, I'll, I'll take one order of clutch, please. Like yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but like it's one of the things. Like, do you do you feel like you have like on days and off days that like you can. Like you can't necessarily attribute to like, oh, like I was under a fan or like because, you know, like it obviously sounds like you can like kind of deconstruct or kind of like I, I call it like watching tape in my brain. Yeah. Uh, but you're like, like, what are you doing? Like if you just see me like sitting around staring at nothing or like if I'm in traffic, like are you paying attention? Kind of. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's me. That's that's totally me. Like I'm sitting there and I'm deconstructing every little thing because I. I like to overanalyze. I, I think I learned that from the business world. You know, you, you always want to like measure six times before you cut, you know, stuff like that. And um, it's, yeah, like I definitely have off days that I can't attribute to any, no question about it. I mean, I came in for a marathon league uh, a couple weeks back and I, I was pretty disappointed with my results. Um, I don't know what exactly happened. It was just a day that I just, I was missing my, I was missing my kills and um, I think that there's a cascading effect. You know, you start, oh, dang it, I missed that one. And, oh, cr- I missed two in a row. And you're watching your ranking kind of drop and you're like, okay. And then after that, now you're thinking about it and you just kind of fall apart. So there's definitely some of that in there. But yeah, there's days I go outside of the target and like throw number, like game number one, 64. And I'm like, oh, I'm on today. And then there are days that I go out there and I can't hit a freaking bullseye. And I'm like, what? And it's so weird because like I look back at like uh, the South Regional. I was I was analyzing my scores from the South Regional 
And I had a game, game two, and it was against Samson, which is my business partner and my duels partner. Game one against uh, Devin Calderon, I think it was. I think I threw two perfect 62s or very close to it, like one kill 62s. Game two against Samson, I couldn't hit anything. I threw like a 41 and like a, I don't remember. I got, I, I, I was very, very lucky to get through that game. Um, ended up winning it by like a point in the last game. Shouldn't have won it. Definitely shouldn't have. He was throwing off too. And then from that point on, I was 80% bullseye, 90% kill shot. Like, how did that even happen? Like game one, I was great. Two, I was abysmal. Then the rest of the tournament, I threw my best like composite scores ever. How does that even work? And that's the mystery of X throwing, and that's kind of what keeps keeps me coming back. Because I think if you could just go in and predict, you're gonna be you're gonna throw an eighty percent bullseye and a ninety percent kill shot every day. I don't think it'd be fun, you know. I think there's some there's some there's some things to uh, to appreciate with the like. It's not as easy as especially like I know ITF's def, ITF Premier is super difficult. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, played it like a full season, and I did okay. Uh, it it was difficult but waddle's little bullseye man you talk about neurotic like that man it's like it's picking on you okay <laughs> so i think that's what makes the game great is it's not something you could easily go in and master and i mean you look at like the dart championships stuff like that those guys aren't hitting everything either they're they're hitting maybe 90 percent of their shots i mean that's the best in the world um but i think that's what keeps those guys coming back I don't think there's a sport out there you can just go in and be perfect all the time. And yes, I absolutely have off days. There is no question there. I have them way more often than I want. I uh, so like uh, one of my therapists, or not one. I, my wife is a therapist, but she's not my therapist. Oh, cool. I, I, I have a therapist, and he says uh, he's like you know Michael Jordan. Like he missed more game-winning shots than he made. Right. Hundred percent. He, he, he always mentions that. Um, and it, <laughs> I try to remind myself of it, but I'm like, die, missed that kill. I suck. No, up. no, yeah, it's it's very, very tough in the moment. It's very, very tough in the moment. I, I can definitely attest to that. Like as a competitor, you know, I I pride myself on being like a competitor. And and when you get into those situations and you don't feel like you were a threat, like you don't feel like you were relevant in this tournament setting and stuff like that, it's a hard pill to swallow. Um, and I think that the pressure, like from myself, I mean, if I could just speak candidly, you know, as I as I got better and better. Um, going to these tournaments and, you know, and ranking high. Like I remember the first, like the first major that I went to that I was like, in, I, I felt good about myself was uh, Ironside. I got third place and that was a tough tournament. It was super stacked. And um, I remember feeling really, really good about myself, about myself when I went, when I came home. And then um, I repeated that at Throw Ohio. I got like fourth place there. I'm like, okay, yeah, heck yeah. And then like when I'd go to these local tournaments, I felt way more pressure. And it's it's weird. Like I had no pressure throwing against, you know, Lucas Johnson and I, these guys like no pressure. I just felt at home and I'm throwing. But when I was throwing against the fourth place guy in my league or fifth place guy in my league, my freaking hand would shake. And I I sat there and I thought about what on earth is that? What what is causing that? And like it was the pressure of you know, like the success that you'd experienced. So now you feel like, oh, if I lose to that guy and and that's foolish because anybody could be anybody on any freaking day. I've watched it. Um, you know, I've, I've been in situations where 
like my wife, to give you an example, she's a great thrower, right? We sat there and like everybody was picking on her, picking on me, saying, oh, don't let her win and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't have to let her win. Like there's, you know, you never freaking know. And uh, she threw her first ever 10 bullseye 60 on the new bullseye against me. I'm like, of course you did. <laughs> you know? Um, and like the pressure that you feel in that situation is different than the pressure. Like when I went the, the times I've thrown against like Mike Philibon, no pressure, like shoot. And I'm sure he doesn't feel it either. It's like, yeah, we're, we're going to, we're going to put on a show. We're going to try our best and whoever wins wins. Right. But like when I'm throwing against, I'm, I don't know, my sister, my mom, something like, you know, like I'm just like, and it, it, it's always been baffling to me. There's definitely a lot of psychology in this sport. No way around it. That's one of the things I love about it. So, like, um, as, uh, to give go back to give Dolan and uh, his girlfriend Sierra a shout out because, like, uh, Sierra, I used to throw in the same league as Sierra, and okay. she sent me to the B bracket in uh, in like the league turn, like in the playoffs one week, and like, and I had some drops, and like people were like, oh man, I was having trouble on that board earlier, and I'm like, dude, don't take those. Like, no, like she beat me. Like, yeah, 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 exactly <laughs> like, that. Like, no, like, it, like I, like she threw well, I didn't. Like I, I, I'm, I'm not making any excuse, and so I, I don't, like uh, that's that's one of the things. Like I, you know, people like they're trying to like justify it. They're like, no, like that that board was pretty hard, and like tapping it between rounds. I'm like, I don't, I don't like, I can, I, that's within my control. There's things I could do about that. Like for sure, uh, right. Um, so I um. Also, I realize we're we're getting kind of kind of long in the oh, podcast. Oh, I didn't even realize that. <laughs> oh no, no, you're fine. I, I've and I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate the time. Me too. And, me too. Um, so I guess in the kind of like last five minutes or so, do you? I mean, like, there, is there anything you want to plug? Do you have any sponsors? Anybody you want to give a shout out to? Social media? Like, just say, I know, I know, you've kind of indirectly like this is really yeah, just become right. like an axe throwing name dropping podcast, but. Um, <laughs> For certain, definitely want to give a shout out to to my first sponsor, which is Airborne Axes and Nick Guthrie. He's a fantastic dude. He will put up with you, which is if he'll put up with me, I promise you'll put up with you. Um, great work, great handles. I've I've won some tournaments with his handles, and you know it's yeah, he's a real deal. Uh, along with George Sanchez, who also is the real deal, Texas Made Axe Co. Uh, shout out to Dolan, just because he's Dolan. <laughs> Doctor McNasty. Um, yep. Yep. Uh, obviously hurling hatches check us out uh, we've got some exciting news coming soon um can't really talk too much about it but there's some stuff coming um ah, man i'm gonna forget somebody i'm gonna be pissed at myself uh <laughs> i know that story <laughs> uh, really just everybody who's ever you know taken time taking time to talk to me and you know help me get to this point and help me refine my craft. Like, I just want to thank them all. You know, I've had long conversations with Michael Theodoro, uh, Colby, uh, Ryan Smith's another one that I talk to quite frequently about the science. Like we just nerd out. Um, I'm reading his book right now. Yeah. It's a great book. It's a great book. And a lot of his points are like, you read them and you're like, Oh, that seems obvious. It's like, well, yeah, but you didn't think of it. You read it. <laughs> like, you know, um, like all my Texas people, I mean, all my Texas people. Yeah. They, they are, they're the best, it's the best community and, you know, support system and all that. I've watched them come to bat, like just go to bat for each other whenever they need to. And I've watched them come together to like help, you know, people that really need the help. And it, yeah, shout out to all you guys. I'd love to name you all one by one by one, but we don't have time for that. <laughs> cool. Uh, but yeah, shout out to all those people. And um, yeah, man. And shout out to you. This is really, really cool. I really enjoyed it. 
Well, thank you. Thank you for taking the time. I, uh, uh, my, my hope was that like people would be willing to tell their stories or plug the things that they have to plug. And uh, so far, it seems to be the case. And I just like I like hearing these stories. Like yeah, <laughs> you know. So like for like the, like I for, like this is self. Like for me, it's like okay. Like I see these names, uh, you know, like on the rankings or on social media. I'm like, oh man, like it'd be cool to talk to that person. But like a tournament's not the right setting. Like oh, like they're in the zone. Like yep. But yep. like oh, yep. uh, uh, a Zoom call. That's not in the zone. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I ended the zone. <laughs> <laughs> so, cool. Well, thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Uh, I for look sure. To seeing you some tournaments. Uh, I think I'll be in Austin for uh, IATC round one in uh, next month. Okay. Cool. I don't know, cool. If, I don't know I where don't, you'll be for. I, 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 I don't know. If you'll, I don't think I qualified. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not but, sure. <laughs> but anyway, I'm sure I'll see you at some tournament somewhere. Absolutely, man. Cool. Thanks for taking time. All right. Great talking to you today.